So one of the things that I have experienced since moving down here is John Bennett. Now, John and I have developed a couple of games that we play. He sends me music videos from YouTube, and I send music videos back to him, and this will go on for hours, it seems like, sometimes. But it reminds me of some of the great songs that I've forgotten about in the past. And sometimes we will send music lyrics back to one another and create conversations out of them, like... I might send him something that says, man, I can't wait to get back home to Sweet Home Alabama. And he'll come back with, yeah, you know, but I'm just kind of a simple man. You know, I don't like life in the fast lane. And we will keep those conversations going on sometimes for a, a couple of days. It's really fun. Um, but he sent me a music video this morning. And uh, I thought the song would be appropriate, at least the lyrics, for leading into the message. And I am pretty certain some of you will recognize these lyrics. The singer says, Oh, Lord, I want you to buy me a Mercedes Benz. My friends all drive Porsches. I must make amends. I work hard all my lifetime. No help from my friends. So, Lord, won't you buy me a Mercedes Benz? And then they go on to say, Oh, Lord, won't you buy me a color TV? Dialing for dollars is trying to find me. I wait for delivery each day until three. So, Lord, won't you buy me a color TV? I wasn't around in that era, so I don't know the full context of the meaning of that song as to you know, who it was speaking to. So I, I don't know if she was being sarcastic, if she was being serious, or if she was just mocking materialism altogether. But some of the lyrics kind of struck me as far as today's passage. So many times... We want God to do things. And we want God to give things. And in the wanting and waiting for things, we often give up the blessings that God puts before us today. Like you said, I wait all day till three for my color TV. What could she have done with that time instead of waiting for a material item? Today's passage of Scripture comes from the book of John, chapter 12, verses 1 through 8. The Word of God says, Six days before the Passover, Jesus came to Bethany where Lazarus was, the one Jesus had raised from the dead. So they gave a dinner for him there. Martha was serving him. And Lazarus was one of those reclining at the table with him. Then Mary took a pound of fragrant oil, pure and expensive nard, anointed Jesus' feet, and wiped his feet with her hair. So the house was filled with the fragrance of oil. Then one of his disciples, Judas Iscariot, who was about to betray him, said, Why wasn't this fragrant oil sold for 300 denarii and given to the poor? He didn't say this because he cared about the poor, but because he was a thief. He was in charge of the money bag and would steal part of what was put in. And Jesus answered, Leave her alone. She has kept it for the day of my burial. For you always have the poor with you, but you do not always have me. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Let us pray. 
Father God, we come before you and thank you for the blessings that you put before us today. And Father, I just ask that you be with me during this time of the service. Father, we just ask that you send words of hope and inspiration. Words that would give us guidance and direction and help us to, to come closer to you and know the blessings that you have put in our lives. Father, I ask that you at this time take from me the desire to speak my own word, but fill me with your spirit that I may be speaking words that would be pleasing to you, that would comfort your throne, and that would edify your church. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. So I picked this passage of Scripture out some time ago, and actually I didn't pick it out myself. I didn't go through the Scripture looking for certain uh, passages. Uh, The beginning of this calendar year, I tried or started to do something new, which is go through the lectionary. And what the lectionary is, it's pre-selected Scriptures that the United Methodist Church has selected themselves. And mine is actually on the the, uh, United Methodist Church calendar. Uh, their thought is that because we are the United Methodist Church, then all churches should be speaking somewhat on the same topic to kind of keep the family tight. Now, all churches don't do that, and in the past I haven't done that, but I wanted to try it. So I selected this verse some time ago, near the beginning of the year, I think. And it's important to say that because I want you to know that what I say today and in just a moment, has absolutely nothing to do with the slap heard around the world that we all saw on TV the other day. But there was a statement that was made by one of the persons involved that was so powerful. And I've heard that statement before. And it was this. When we are at our highest level, That is when the devil comes for us. And he does that because he knows that's when pride is the most active in our lives. And it doesn't take much for us to fall at that point and lose the blessings that God has for us. And this passage of Scripture that we point out today speaks about the entirety of our lives as we walk with Christ and experience the blessings of God. Starts out with six days before the Passover, Jesus came to Bethany where Lazarus was, the one Jesus had raised from the dead. And that is such a powerful statement if we look at what's going on. Jesus knew that at that time in his life, that, that his life was soon to come to an end. And yet he took the time in those last few days to spend with his friends. Now, I don't know about you, and and maybe I just don't have that tide of a bond with somebody outside my own family that I would want to, to spend my last days with them. I would be thinking of myself, what do I want to experience before I leave this world? I want to to go climb a mountain. I want to go swim in the ocean. I want to, to experience all these other things in life. But Jesus himself took the time to spend those last few days with friends. And not just any friend, if we, if we look at who it was that, that he chose to spend his time with, he spent his time with Lazarus. 
And we all know the story of Lazarus, how he died, and, and Jesus brought him back to life. And there's an important, an important message right there for us, that we live our lives sometimes like it's never going to end, never thinking about tomorrow or, or how what we do today is going to impact what God has for us tomorrow. But we remember this, that, that Lazarus was a man just like us, and the day came that he died. He closed his eyes to, to life on this side of eternity. But when Jesus came into that life, he took that life that had died and spoke words of hope and words of power and authority and brought that life into existence again. And you know, I think that, that Jesus does that in our lives sometimes, not just on our initial contact with Jesus. When we talk about, you know, when we, when we initially die to the sins and live to Jesus, but, but sometimes in our walk, we, we kind of get bogged down in the things that are going on in life. And if we're not careful, we let those circumstances overtake us and we start to lose sight of the blessings that God has for us. You see, it's important to remember this, that at that table that day, we have one man who had already died and resurrected again, and another man who was just days away from facing death himself. But the thing to understand about that is this. Lazarus lived, died, and came back from the dead only to die again. But Jesus went to the cross at Calvary to die and to raise from the dead to never face death again. That is the difference between resurrection and being brought back to life. To never die again. And we find in that act of God not only God's ability to give life, but his willingness to do so. So they gave a dinner for him, and at that dinner we had Martha who was serving them, and Lazarus was, was kicked back and reclining and, and enjoying his time with Jesus. Then something odd happened at that time. Mary took a pound of oil, and not just any oil, but a, a fragrant oil, it was pure in its creation. It hadn't been, been diluted with any other substance. And it was expensive. And she took that oil and anointed Jesus' feet. Now, if we put ourselves into this passage here, Let's look at it like this. You may not have an expensive oil that, that you want to, to lavish 
on the feet of Jesus or to lavish on your friends. But you, like me, have in your possession something that is more precious and more expensive than anything that money can buy. And that is the time that God has given you to spend in your life. And when God gives us this time, he, he doesn't give it to us as a blank check to say, go out and, and do whatever you want to with it, though that's how some people interpret it. He gives us that time and, and he asks us to use it wisely. And sometimes he asks us to listen to his call on how to spend that time. Now we as Christians, it is our job, it is our duty to serve other people. There's just no way around it. We are not a people who are called to, to serve only ourselves and to think solely about what it is we want and what we desire and what's best for us. But we are a people who are called to take care and look out for the needs of others. In our Wednesday night Bible study, we, we looked at, at Jesus as he was hanging on the cross at Calvary. And, and we talked about some of the last words that he spoke. And, and this past week, we looked at the words that he spoke when, when he looked down from the cross. And he saw his mother Mary standing there. And then he saw his beloved disciple, the one that we believe to be John. And he looked at the mother and he said to his mother, Mother, here is your son, talking about the disciple. Then he looked at the disciple and said, Here is your mother. And what we came to, to understand about that was this, that Jesus was, was creating a community of believers who look out for one another's needs. And it's a hard task. The person that Jesus asked to take care of his mother was not even a blood relative, wasn't kin. Though Jesus had brothers and sisters that could do the task that we thought, we really didn't know where they were at. But, but it's, it's important to know this, that, that God calls on us sometimes to, to take care of the needs of other people. And that's how we invest our time. Now, I'm going to be honest with you, and I'm going to speak openly about what that's like. It is the most wonderful thing in the world. I can't tell you how many times in my life that I've, I've witnessed others as they tell the stories about caring for their loved ones or, or even caring for people that, that they don't even know giving of their time to share the gospel of Jesus Christ to a stranger in hopes that an impact would be made on their lives. And there are those who are called to go just a little bit further, to spend more than just a moment but to spend hours or weeks or, or months and sometimes years witnessing, teaching, or taking care of a person that is not even their own flesh and blood. 
Walton Yeager is a gentleman that I knew growing up that, that loved nothing more in life than being a witness for Christ. He was a successful businessman, and, and he had everything in life that he needed. He was not without want by any means. And all of his material gain meant nothing to him. Every Sunday, it was his desire to see a young person walk down the aisle and receive Christ as their Lord and Savior. But there were many that, that he invested his time in, that, that he would call on a regular basis, that he would go and visit and have lunch with and talk in great detail about his experience with God and how God worked in his lives. And I would ask him, what is that like? What is the experience of, of spending your time that God gave you on other people? Do you not stop and think sometimes about what it was that, that you could be doing for yourself? Or the things that, that you could be indulging in? Instead of investing in other people. And he spoke honestly. He said, Tommy, this is my call. is what God has empowered me to do. And there's something that, 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 that moves inside my heart, that moves inside my spirit when I see those people who are living without Christ. He said, I can't contain myself when that happens. And even though I have the desire to live a life outside of that, that passion burns inside of me to give of myself in the hopes of making a change. And he said, but on the, on the personal side, Tommy, I'll be honest with you about this. You're right. Sometimes I look at the things that, that I'm doing and how I'm investing my time, and I go, man, you know what? This person is not even concerned about the time that I'm giving them. And I become angry and bitter sometimes because, you know what? I could be doing so many other things in my life. I could be experiencing things. I could be doing things that would benefit me. He goes, but, but God put this call on me. And he said, Tommy, it's like this sometimes. It's like there's the, the physical side of me, the natural me, the me that wants to think about me, and then there's the spiritual me. And the scriptures would, would identify that as saying that the, the spirit con contends with the flesh. As in, my mind and my body naturally want to do the things that I want to, but my spirit, the life that God gave to me, the life that, that God put into me when the Holy Spirit came to live with me, calls me off to something extra, something different, something that offers more to me in life than just having things and doing things. And he goes, there's a struggle that, that comes along with that. And he goes, and people need to understand that, that there's a real struggle. It's not that they're broken. That we as Christians have to decide at some point in our lives who we're going to be and which side of the fence we're going to stand on. 
Either we're going to stand on the side that, that God calls us to and make the decision that today I am going to be this person. I am going to serve God in my full capacity. I am going to put behind me my own hopes, my own desires, my own passions, and live for the things that God called to me. Or I'm going to step to the other side of the fence and I'm going to say I'm not going to serve God. I'm going to serve myself and do what I want to. He goes, but you can't walk both sides of the fence. He goes, and he explained this to me. He said that if you walk both sides of the fence, you're going to find anger and bitterness in your life. He said, when God calls us, not just into salvation, but when he calls us into the purpose-filled life that he has planned for us, his desire is for us to leave everything else behind. Not because he wants to punish us, not because he wants to keep us from experiencing things, but because he wants us to have the fullness of life. And as long as we contend with two worlds, we will never find that fullness. Our lives and the time that God has given us is an expensive, fragrant oil not to be contained for ourselves, but to be shared with the world around us fully, not partially. And Mary showed us that when she took that oil and massaged it into the feet of our Savior. See, she took pride out of the equation. And she humbled herself. I'm kneeling before a man. And caring for the most, for lack of better words, dirtied part of his body. And she didn't stop there. She pulled her hair down. which was a big no-no in that day for a lady to do, and ran her hair over his feet. She knew that her act of humility and her act of love would mean more to Christ than any amount of silver or gold that she could produce. And you know, I would like to think sometimes that the people that we serve see that about us. But the truth is, sometimes they don't. Sometimes they, they, they may see the sacrifice that we make and, and not express it. and Sometimes they may not see it until sometime further down the road. And that's when it becomes a difficult task. 
we're called to not just perform physical acts of love, but to perform emotional acts as well. You see, just like the singer said, I've worked hard all my life and really and truly I want a reward. And I think that God sees our labors of love. And I think that sometimes along our journey, He puts a hope or a dream or a passion in our heart for things or experiences that, that may, we may want. And what will happen is this, is, is that we will get so focused on achieving or having those things that, that we will forget about our ministry. Not the act of doing it, but the attitude in which we do it with. And it's at that point that Satan will come into our lives and knock us off that path that we were on. You see, there's nothing wrong with dreaming. And there's nothing wrong with, with hoping for something further down the road. But we have to remain focused on the mission that God has put for us today. Isn't it funny how that when there's a desire in our heart for something else, that there seems to be a void in that moment. And it's almost as if, if, if it wasn't for, for me doing this today, then I can have what I want tomorrow right now. But that's not a reality. If I stop and say today that if I got rid of the things that God called me to today that I could automatically move in to the lifestyle that, that I want for tomorrow, the chances of that happening are slim to none. So I think what God wants us to do is this, to go ahead and embrace today and the mission that we have at hand. Love those people. Love those ideas. Love those jobs. And, and just take them on ourselves as if everything in life depended upon it. And keep dreaming and hoping about tomorrow because maybe, just maybe, when that aspect or that point of your life is finished, that when your job is done in that moment, just maybe it's then that God is going to move you into that other part of life that you so desire. But if we're not careful, with maintaining discipline with our own thoughts and our own actions, 
testimony from the things that we've done and postponing or losing the blessing that God has over here. Take that time that God has given you to invest and invest every bit of it with what God has called you into today. And keep your hope and dream alive for tomorrow with dignity and righteousness. Because your deeds do not go unseen. And the God we serve is a God who rewards. It's a precious gift. Use it wisely. I got a video I want to show you real quick. I know John running late. I'm waiting for the door to open back here on me. It's an old song. And I think maybe it might speak to us about God working in our lives to become a person that would be admired by others and lead to blessings.
also thanks to Calvary that during this time of Lent I can sit in examination of myself without condemnation and ask to be rejuvenated and ask to help me be the person that God would have me to be to continue my mission and continue my walk. Let us pray. Father God, we close this portion of the service. We thank you for the time that you've given us. And we thank you for the songs, Father God, that have been passed down from generation to generation that just that touch our lives. Help us, Father God, to remember that the time that you've given us is an expensive gift that is once spent. It can never, ever be recovered. Help us to spend that time serving you wisely and lovingly as we serve your people. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. Father God, we thank you for the time that you've given us today. We thank you for the gifts of your call, the gifts of your love and your mercy, and the gifts of your patience. And Father, we thank you for the gift that you gave us on the cross at Calvary that has changed our lives and has the power to change the lives of all those around us. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. May grace, mercy, and peace which come from God our Father and from Jesus Christ, His Son, be with us who live in truth and love. Amen.